You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, and welcome to the Big Blue Big Board Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. Chris, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, you know. Good. Combine's on its way, so finally have something to watch on NFL Network. You know, other than, say, replays of Rams and Chiefs. The replay of Rams and Chiefs is on right now. It is in the background. So if at any point during this podcast I just stop talking, it's because there's been 94 points scored in five minutes, and I'm still <laughs> very transfixed on how that game played out. But anyway... The Super Bowl you, that should have been. <laughs> absolutely. But anyway... As you said, we're almost at the Combine. It's coming next week. So that is exciting. That's when all the prospects are coming. That's when we start getting our athletic testing. That's when we really get the ball rolling toward the draft. Although we've been talking about draft for the past like four months. Uh, right now, everybody's just kind of waiting for the Combine to happen. This is when it's always mock draft season <laughs> from the second the regular season ends but now is is really mock draft season because uh, we're just we're waiting for the combine we're just waiting for something to happen so there's been a lot of mock drafts coming out uh seemingly the people who do mock drafts for a living I mean, they do more than that but <laughs> they mock drafts are part of their job description they're coming out with ones every week now uh, most of them are just for the first round there's very few that are going you know, further than the first round Kind of one of the only ones I've seen recently is is a Luke Easterling one from uh, the Draft Wire that goes four rounds. I'm not sure how much we should talk about that from the Giants' perspective because it talks about the Giants trading out of six, uh, and we've spent time on podcasts talking about how that's probably not going to happen, even though it probably should. I will say that that was an interesting mock. It had some guys we don't talk about. We probably should be talking about. We probably like to talk about, but we just really don't so much yes yeah, so many mock drafts really just focus on the first round and you know from a league-wide perspective that kind of makes sense when you're someone who covers the nfl as a whole but when you're looking for focusing on one team you kind of want to see a little more than just the first round so that's what we want to look at today so chris and i both did a four round a mock draft uh, using the fanspeak.com. If you don't know about them, the fanspeak.com just kind of has a, a mock draft simulator where you can just run through your own mock and, and make the picks for whatever team you select. So we each did four round mock, which kind of works out because even though the Giants don't have a third round pick, they have three fourths. So it still gets us five players to talk about. So since we each did one, we're just going to go round by round in who we picked, talk a little bit about why, and then just 
go through these four rounds just so we can kind of get an idea of who might be there, what we can expect, maybe the players the Giants might be targeting in those rounds. And we only went four rounds because one, uh, we're not fully up on all of these prospects. So us picking who is going to be taken in the sixth and seventh round is just kind of a futile exercise at this moment. And a lot of the, you know, the big boards we use, these people who who are doing the, the draft work, they're not completely done with their evaluations either. So using big boards and things to pick, you know, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounders just isn't going to do us a lot of help right now. And also, I, I don't know about you, but I don't really want to be recording a podcast and get to my seventh round pick and go, yeah, I just picked somebody because I had to pick somebody. I don't actually know who any of these guys are, at least not yet. Yeah. That does happen on occasion on draft day when teams pick somebody nobody's ever heard of, but we'll try to save that for draft day. (laughs) Yeah. At some point we will get there. We're just, we're just not there yet. So we're going to still four rounds is, is a lot. We'll get through five players, which is big. All right, so for this, we did the fan speak. I think we both use the aggregate big board. Is that correct? That's what you used, Chris? Yeah, I used the same, same as you, just to control variables, so we weren't picking off a different boards. And- okay. So yeah, I, when I use Fanspeak, I like using the aggregate big board, which they kind of, they just take all the big boards that get submitted to the site and just kind of do a consensus big board. So that way you're not getting any one specific bias from one big board. So that's the one I like to use. So we used that and no trades in this draft. So we just went through and picked for the Giants. Let's just jump into our mock. Chris, why don't you go first with who you took six overall? Okay. I actually had a few interesting choices, but I decided to do what the Giants should do if he happens to fall to them, and I took Dwayne Haskins. The Giants are in a position where, as it stands right now, they have no future at quarterback. Eli Manning's contract is done. He probably shouldn't be playing in 2020 if they can at all avoid it. And that's just it. There's a reason why you see him mock to the Giants every time, because it just makes sense. I also had Kyler Murray available, but I didn't want to pick for me. I was picking as Dave Gettleman. Well, that's a good transition because I picked for me and I picked Kyler Murray. If you have listened to this show before on any of the episodes we have talked about Kyler Murray, I am a big fan. I think he is very good. I think he has skills that translate despite the size. I think he plays well within that size. I think he knows how to get around that. He is the most accurate passer. He has a good deep ball. And there's enough in that Oklahoma system that translates to the NFL. I just think he is very good. You take his mobility, you add that to the Giants offense, you put that in the backfield with Saquon Barkley, you get him throwing to Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, and that is, like, if not the most dynamic offense in the NFL, it's one of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL, and it would be very hard for that offense to not succeed, regardless of what the offensive line does, because Murray is someone who's going to be able to 
mask if the offensive line is allowing pressure. He's someone who can run away from it. He's great on the run. He can throw accurately on the run. I just think he has the best upside of this quarterback class, and I think he makes the Giants immediately better once he steps on the field. You know, I don't disagree with any of that. I think for both of our first-round picks, we went the way they pretty much need to go with a quarterback who has definite starting potential and who can start and lead the franchise for years to come and maybe be able to step in and do so as early as the middle of next year. Now, whether or not that actually happens, comes to pass, I would say yours is significantly less likely than mine, though that's something we'll just have to wait and see. So how about on to Friday? Yeah, let's do that. Why don't you jump into who you took? So this is now the fifth pick of the second round and 37th overall. Okay, so I took my second best value here. Now, if it was me doing the drafting, I actually had Kyler Murray available somehow. I'm not quite sure how it happened. Drew Locke was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals and the Chargers took Daniel Jones. So Kyler Murray was actually sitting there for me at the top of the second round, but I passed on him. In reality, I definitely would have taken him and then auctioned off at least one of those quarterbacks because then I would have had both of the almost surefire starters. But I went with uh, Juwan Taylor, the right tackle out of Florida. Even if the Giants address their offensive line in free agency, which is what I'm pretty much counting on, but they haven't done it yet, obviously, I don't think Dave Gettleman could pass up the value of an offensive lineman like Taylor sitting there at the top of the second. Just roster depth be damned, he will take him. Yeah, that's a super interesting pick. I know when you originally sent this over to me, I was surprised he was available still in the top of the second. He's someone who is routinely mocked in in the first round. So yeah, if he is available in the top of the second, that's absolutely something that the Giants have to do. I know I've seen some people who are studying this and some people who look at the offensive lineman and believe he might be the best tackle in this class. So there's some... A difference of opinion uh, between you know, some analysts, but he would be a, a great pick there. I'm looking at my mock here, and he was taken 23rd overall by Houston in the mock I did. So yeah, him being there at the top of the second, uh, Giants should probably run to the podium. Yeah, he is. he's a guy I really like. I was stunned to see him there. He has the size we know Gettleman just absolutely needs in an offensive lineman, but he has the feet of a guy who's probably about 30 pounds lighter. When I was studying him, I saw him come off a block and pick up a late, I believe it was a corner blitz. And there's just no way a player his size should have been able to pick that blitz up, but he did it. Like talk about wow throws with quarterbacks. That was a wow block for me. Yeah, he's someone I, I haven't fully gotten into my offensive tackles yet, or really the offensive linemen fully. But he's someone who, in what I have watched, I 
I'm a fan of. So yeah, if he's there in the second, absolutely a great pick. So for my pick, I went with someone who has quickly become possibly one of, not possibly, but probably my favorite draft prospect right now, even yeah, maybe Kyler Murray is still number one. Um, but this guy is a close second if it's there. And that's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, defensive back from Florida. He's listed as a safety. He played a lot of nickel corner last year. And he is just someone who I think is a perfect fit for Jane Betcher's scheme. He is the type of player that can just play anywhere in the secondary. He can play that nickel. He can be a box safety. He can be a single high deep safety. Uh, you just watch any of these Florida games and he is just around the ball on almost every play. It's kind of, it's amazing. When you say like you watch the tape and, and someone stands out, he is that guy. He is all over the place. Uh, he's good in coverage. He can make uh, stops against the run. He's just someone, wherever you put him on the defense, I think he's going to excel. And when you look at what he did, looking at Sports Info Solutions numbers right now, he had 51 targets in 2018, and he allowed just 4.43 yards per attempt against, which is just insane. So among all defensive backs in college last year, that was the fourth best. Juju Hughes from Fresno State, Rocky Sin from Temple. He was also a consideration at this pick, but I like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson just a little more because of the versatility. Then Duke Shelley from Kansas State, and then Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So he's someone who can play safety. He can play that nickel corner. I just think you can move him around if the Giants still have Landon Collins on the roster. You allow Collins to be more of that box safety, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is basically... I kind of thought he might be like a Tyron Matthew mold, but maybe he's like... If you think of him like Landon Collins, but with better coverage ability. He is so, so good. If it was up to me, he would be a first round pick. Uh, but if he's sitting there at the top of the second, I'm all for it. Yeah, he's a guy I, I like as well. My latest mock draft that went up on Big Blue View, which was technically a th- uh, three round mock draft, but I only went to the Giants second round. He was my second round pick. So he's a guy we should probably be paying attention to. Like you said, he's always around the ball. He's got that ability to play multiple roles and just be all over the field. And considering how the Giants like to blitz, how often they like to blitz, having the free safety, which we've discussed about a million times so far, is just absolutely vital. And also having the ability to have him play corner lets them really mix and match and disguise their coverages. So he would be a fantastic pick as well. Yeah, there's a play I tweeted out. I was against Michigan in the Peach Bowl. He's playing the nickel, and they have two wide receivers to his side. He goes with one to the right with the safety as they're both going up the seam. And he goes to the right side, then realizes the ball is going to be going to the left. He like turns around and is able to make a play on the ball and makes an interception and goes from hash to hash. And it is just insane to see from like the wide angle. His ball skills, his anticipation, just everything. I think he is the perfect defensive back for this defense. Yeah, and now obviously we both have the same third round pick, which also helps to complement the Giants secondary and hopefully fix that problem and also help their pass rush which would be Sam Beal 
the continued reminder that Sam Beal is a third-round pick, that when people will say the Giants, you know, lost or don't have a third-round pick, like, they, they do have Sam Beal. They got something for him. They just spent it early. Yeah, and of course, Beal set out with an injury that's obviously not ideal. He's someone both of us did like at the time of the supplemental draft. So he is going to be part of that defensive back rotation. So he'll get a chance to work in during training camp. And so he is someone who is going to be added to that defense. So when people say they don't have a third round pick, it's not necessarily true. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We actually both have the same fourth round pick the Giants have three fourth round picks but we both chose the same guy with the first of those picks yeah it was Christian Miller edge player from Alabama he's a guy I think we both like he only has really one year of just consistent high level production and that was this year as a senior where he started 14 games he only had 34 total tackles, but he just lived in opponents' backfields. So that's something the Giants do need. As they need to, as we've said many times, add to their pass rush, not just replace Olivier Vernon. Have another player who can play on the edge and rush in their style of defense. Yeah, Maybe as an undersized defensive end, maybe as a stand-up linebacker get into the backfield, get there quickly, and just add more pressure. Right, yeah, he's someone who is probably going to test well. And one of the things about this being before the combine, before they have the testing numbers, especially for me, is the the testing numbers are going to be a big part of the evaluation, especially for something like Edge, where you really want to see if these guys are athletic. And, And being athletic does give you a little bit of an edge there. But Miller's someone who's probably going to test well. Listed 6'4", 244, so he's kind of in that, you know, outside linebacker type mold. So I think he would fit in there. He had uh, 11 and a half tackles for a loss, 8 and a half sacks, 14 run stops, which are pretty good numbers for an edge. He's pretty well-rounded. He wasn't, you know, super involved in that Alabama defense just because there were so many other pieces there. But he did get his production. 38 pressures per... Sports Info Solutions, along with 18 quarterback hits. So that's that's a good rotational piece to have at, at this point in the draft. Yeah, and especially getting an edge with that kind of upside in the fourth round is, that would be a good find. We'd have to see him on the field to know whether or not it's a steal because he doesn't have much of a track record. And even at the end of his senior year, he had a hamstring injury. However you generally don't find good productive pass rushers outside of really the first round just because of the athletic premium on the position. So if you could find somebody who could potentially be a contributor, if not an impact player in the fourth round, that's a pick you have to make and we both made it. 
Yeah, and we'll we'll say we were not involved in each other's drafts. We just kind of did the draft and sent them to each other, and we just happened to take this <laughs> the same player there. So let's move on to the next fourth round pick, which is going to be 132nd overall. So who did you go with there? I went with Connor McGovern, the center out of Penn State. As I said before, I expect the Giants to address their offensive line in free agency. But like I also said, that hasn't happened yet. So right now they have the same offensive line that finished the season, except for the fact that Jamon Brown is going to be a free agent and Spencer Pulley is a restricted free agent. So they basically have John Jalapio, nothing, and Chad Wheeler. So at this point, I thought McGovern presented a pretty good value. He's got, again, the size that Dave Gettleman loves. Leaves about 6'5", 325 was what I saw for him. He's a strong guy. He can move people. He actually has surprisingly good movement skills for a big interior lineman. He might wind up having to move to guard at the next level because some questions about whether or not he can consistently snap the ball and get his hands up to block against defensive tackles at the NFL level. But in the fourth round, beggars can't be choosers, really. He's got enough tools that I think it's at least worth taking him and seeing what he can become. Yeah, I mean, at at this point, when you're taking a guy, you know, in the fourth, the odds of him becoming a big contributor, obviously, already aren't that high. So uh, you're trying to, you know, take upside to look for traits that you do like, and especially, you know, on the offensive line. Uh, and if there's actually one thing Dave Gettleman does have on his track record, it's kind of taking these guys later in the draft and finding some offensive linemen there who can be productive. But as we go into my the pick at 132. I went with Ben Benogu. He's a edge linebacker from TCU. He is kind of in maybe a Lorenzo Carter, Hassan Reddick mold. He is kind of a kind of slender outside linebacker type. It was in 6'4", 249. He really played edge for TCU. He went to the senior bowl. They moved him to linebacker. So that's kind of similar to what Hassan Reddick did uh, going from an edge in his last year at Temple to moving uh, to a more outside linebacker. And then he was drafted by James Betcher in Arizona and was more of an outside linebacker who was both you know in coverage and blitzed quite a bit on the outside. But he was just insane insanely productive from a pressure standpoint and just being in the backfield. So 50 tackles, 18 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, 21 and a half run stuffs. So he can play the run. That's great. Also, it's 63 pressures, which among this draft class for Sports Info Solutions is a third overall behind Josh Allen and Brian Burns. He had 30 quarterback hits, which is tied with Josh Allen for the most in this draft class. So he is a guy who was able to get to the passer. Uh, He was a guy who was able to make plays against the run. So I think you're betting on some athleticism there translating. And again, he's someone we'll have to see what 
he does at the combine to really get a full idea of what his athleticism is. I know there's go- there's going to be some people who won't like him as a pure, you know, hand in the dirt pass rusher, but that's not what he has to be with the Giants. He can be in you know the Lorenzo Carter mold, be uh, more of an outside linebacker, uh, can play the run a little bit and blitz off the edge. He, he's not going to be a full-time going one-on-one against tackles uh, all the time, but he's someone who was insanely productive, and I think that's something you can hope translates to the NFL. And again, it's another edge flyer uh, in the fourth round, and doubling up if you know, maybe one of those pans out, if both of them do, then I think you're sitting great uh, with, a, uh, with an edge rotation there. Oh yeah, definitely. And with Minogu, I do. I think the combine is definitely going to be informative on him because yeah, he was, like I said, insanely productive. Yeah, and pretty consistently pr- productive. He had his numbers from his junior and senior years were damn near identical, at least in the raw box score stats. But the question on him, at least that I have seen, has been. Really, does he have the bend and burst to consistently threaten the backfield at the NFL level? So if he can show that at the combine, that would be great, and this would be a fantastic value. If not, maybe he's more of a backup or a depth player who you bring on in sub-packages when you want to have a lot of rushers or things like that but still not a bad pick. Yeah, he's somewhere where I think the the production numbers are right now tell one story, and I think some of the scouting on him tells another. Uh, so yeah, that combine workout is going to be big because if you can mesh proven good athleticism with some of those numbers, then maybe some of the scouting kind of goes back to wondering maybe it's he can produce when you put those things together. And I think just watching him and seeing the production that he did have, uh, that's, that's a bet I'm totally willing to take in the fourth round. So let's move on to then our final pick each. So this is in the fan speak draft, it's 137 overall. In the fourth round, so the Giants technically don't have this fourth round pick yet, but they are projected by just about everyone to get a comp pick in the fourth round, so they are very likely to have this pick, and Fanspeak puts up those picks with projections. So the Giants technically do not have this pick right now, but uh, in all likelihood, they will when they get to the draft. So this will be 137th overall. Uh, Chris, who did you go with here? I went with safety Ugo Amadi out of Oregon. Yeah, I went with him for a lot of the same reasons you went with Gardner Johnson way back in the second round. Although mine, at least according to fan speak, was a pretty bad reach by about 70 spots. But I just wanted to make sure I got him. It, he's undersized. Uh, 5'9", he might be 190, maybe. <laughs> But he is a very smooth-moving safety. He's very good in coverage. Yeah, he can come down and play some of that nickel corner. He can play that single high free safety, and he is also isn't afraid to come down and hit in the running game. So I figure this late, almost the fifth round, 
I couldn't not get him and hopefully find an upgrade over Curtis Riley. Not that that bar is particularly high. No, it is not. But yeah, that's that's a decent pick, and Amadi is a guy we talked about way back in our safety episode, previewing some of the top five, and I guess he's he's not up there in terms of, of where we are now. But again, still a pretty productive. We've had one and a half sacks, so he's one of the few safeties in this class who I think does have some pass rush ability. I uh, want to throw out as I'm looking at the, the numbers right now, especially that Gardner Johnson had three sacks. So again, he does have that, that pass rush too. <laughs> uh, Madi had six and a half run stuffs, three interceptions with seven pass breakups. So he, he is someone who, who can play there. He's, he is, like you said, a little smaller than the the other guys, but I don't think that matters quite as much as safety. He's listed at 510, 201. He'll probably be a little smaller than that because that's just how listed heights and weights yeah. work. But that's fine. I don't think you need to be huge as a safety, and he's shown he's able to make plays. So yeah, if uh, the, the board goes the way it fell for you, and the Giants still need someone to go in at safety, uh, Madi is a good pick there. Why don't you finish us off? Yeah, we'll cap it off. So uh, as you went for Connor McGovern a couple picks ago, I went with another big 10 center. That is Michael Jordan of Ohio State. So he's someone who played center this year, played pretty well. I think he got some awards, I think, was SI and CBS, I think, named him first team all-conference. But he has said he wants to play guard in the NFL, which is what he played before 2018. So he was also good there. He kind of moved to center because of necessity. Uh, So he's someone who does have that versatility, even though if he prefers to play guard, if he doesn't need to play center, that opportunity is there. So he was kind of that piece in the middle of that Ohio State offensive line, which was pretty good last year. So I think he is someone that has the upside and the versatility to be a good pick at at this point in the draft. Oh, definitely. You know, having that ability to play guard and he he could probably be a starting guard in the right scheme. Yeah, he's you know, we'll have to wait for the combine measurements, but he's a little taller than most guards. I think I saw him listed at about 6'6". Normally, I kind of like guards to be more like 6'3", 6'4", both for throwing lanes over the middle and just having a nice low center of gravity. But if they can consistently drop their hips, being a little bit taller isn't fun, or isn't a bad thing. Yeah, he's got really good movement skills, which is why he could move over to center. And that, I think, actually opens up some kind of interesting possibilities with play action and maybe the RPO game with having him pull to sell the run or just actually run in an RPO and then maybe throw off how an offense could rush the passer when it turns out to be a pass. Yeah, anything that gets you more athletic along the offensive line and sets up some possible good play action and RPOs, uh, which is where any offense is the most productive. Like we've, we've said many times, just play action just makes all offenses better. And so if you can get a guy who immediately can add to making that better, I'm all for it. Yeah, definitely. And also, of course, you know, anytime you could add Michael Jordan to your team, 
I, I think you just have to go ahead and do it. Yeah, I think the Michael Jordan could be definitely uh, worth a uh, late round investment there. So that is where we stand here. So that was just a quick pre-combine four-round mock. Our opinions are subject to change and almost guaranteed <laughs> to change as we still have some time through April. But this is kind of where we sit now. Is I think this is just a good exercise to see what the Giants could be targeting at this point. You know, last week we talked about non-QB options at six. Uh, this week we both went QB at six and then filled other needs elsewhere. We went heavy on defense and offensive line. Uh, obviously not surprising there. But I think this was a fun exercise. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be having more versions of mock drafts in one form or another through the draft. I think we were even toying with the idea of doing a mock draft live and recording that. Which that might be fun. Yeah, that's possible. If you guys want to hear that, let us know. We'll maybe figure that out in some way but next week is the combine we're excited for that we're getting prepared for that as you do that um go to bigwithview.com chris has been putting out his top prospects by position he's been ranking going through each position and, and ranking the top guys how he sees them right now entering the combine and then i'm sure the will continue to tinker with that list as as we get more things as we get the the combine of results and we get pro days and and all these other things so chris is doing great work he's doing a lot of work there so absolutely go check that out and we will be probably referencing that as we go through uh, the rest of this draft process so we're gonna end it there we'll be back the beginning of next week and then talking about the combine all next week so you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review. If you have not, it helps us out greatly. Read our work on BigBlueView.com. You can follow BigBlueView on Twitter at BigBlueView. Follow BigBlueView on Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Follow Chris on Twitter at RaptorMKII. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.